Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Compact Nation podcast. We just wanted to start off this episode by remembering Don Kennedy. Don Kennedy was president at Stanford University and in the mid-1980s with colleagues from Georgetown and Brown and the Education Commission for the States. Don Kennedy was one of the founders of Campus Compact. He and that first small group of colleagues and pretty soon a much larger group came together around the idea that higher education needed to be doing more to contribute to the health and strength of our communities and our democracy. And he used the position he had as president of a, a large leading university to bring together public and private university presidents, community colleges, four-year institutions, faith-based, secular, to create a national coalition that is what became Campus Compact. He was a biologist uh, with a great sense of the importance of science in the public interest and of higher education as a force for good for all of us. Uh, he was 88 years old and unfortunately died of COVID. Uh, and so we just wanted to remember him and recognize his extraordinary contributions to higher education, to Campus Compact and to the country. Uh, consider your vote and consider all the topics that you care about when casting your vote and above all else just go vote because there are these many important issues and your vote helps each and every one go towards what you think is best and you're voicing your opinion to the government. I'm Marisa Morales. I'm Andrew Seligson. And I'm Emily Shields. And welcome to this episode of the Compact Nation podcast. So how's everyone surviving? Hanging in out here in Boston. We are um, fortunate enough to be locked in our homes with 39 degree weather as April becomes May. Uh, winds, cold rain outside. So, you know, what's not to like? <laughs> I could think of a few things, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't want to brag, but it's practically been summer here in Iowa, which has saved us uh, a lot. Our kids got out like the sprinkler in the kiddie pool this weekend. It was pretty wild. That's cool. Um, I don't know. I feel like it's finally starting to hit me. Uh, and so it, it was actually a kind of hard weekend, but um, got to do some virtual um, social things with uh, some friends. And, um, you know, I think and also talked to my mom, who's, who's been in the hospital. Um, so, yeah, just trying to survive. Yeah, and Andrew, I thought you'd enjoy that I actually watched the NFL draft. So that's how desperate things have gotten around here. Um, but actually, it was really interesting to just see everybody's living rooms. Um, it was kind of fascinating, to be honest. Yeah, there's so many things where that's now become like a side feature of, of how things work, is that in addition to whatever the activity is, we see everybody's living rooms. Yeah, I was strange. watching uh, American Idol yesterday with my dad, and they did it from... 
the contestants from their living rooms or garages or or whatever. So crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I will just be thankful that this isn't recorded and I'm not doing anything where people have to see my house because not great. <laughs> Technically, I just want to be clear for our listeners. This is recorded. It's well, just not, not video. Just not video. I mean, you record. guys are seeing my yeah. video, so you I guys just, know that I am once again in a bathroom. Yeah, <laughs> I wanted. I didn't want people to be confused that they might be listening to a live program or that we were using magic of you know we're using kind of conventional recording techniques in the digital age. Just don't want the wrong idea to get out there. Just I mean, not putting the video thinking. out there, which is helpful. Uh, yeah, I also want to share with our listeners right now that our producer Molly uh, has just she's actually simply been replaced by her cat at this point Did she turn, I thought she turned into a cat that's what I understood I, was I, happening that is also possible we're looking in there her was Zoom kind of a square. puff of smoke and then Molly was gone and a cat was in her place I see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. there she goes <laughs> exactly okay Molly's back in her human form uh, to carry us through the rest of the episode Okay, well, I am very excited about this episode and um, the the other content we're releasing as a part of this one. Last semester, I um, heard from two professors at St. Olaf College in Minnesota, Eric Pierce Locum and Colin Wells there. They teach as a part of St. Olaf's American Conversations Project, um, which is a uh, learning community there and, you know, has a bunch of different levels for this class. They were looking to do a project where students created podcasts, but wanted to make it community engaged and wanted to um, add to, you know, the content around um, issues and elections that is available. And so they had listened to our podcast and reached out to see if we could um, work with them on it. So I have been working with them and their students. Uh, in in the before times, I actually visited their class, um, which was a lot of fun and was able to talk to the students some about our work and our podcast and what we're trying to achieve. So the students were in different groups where they selected issues that were of interest to them Um that are a part of this election cycle. And they made mini podcast episodes. They're all 10 to 15 minutes at most. And um, the student's goal was really to, uh, their audience that they were thinking about was their peers. So other students in this moment who, um, you know, maybe voting for the first time this fall or uh, their first general election or just learning more about issues. So they picked issues they cared about, researched them, put together episodes that I think do a really good job of both exploring the issue um, in terms of facts and research, but also a more personal side to the issue and a call to action with what they think other students should be thinking about in terms of learning more about those issues and using their voice and their vote. So um, I was able to interview four of those students uh, just last week. And so I was able to talk to them both a little bit about what their lives are like right now and what they're experiencing um, as they have left campus and are navigating online education in this moment, but also about their process and sort of what they got out of making these episodes and researching issues. So for our podcast episode, we'll have that interview up next. And then you'll see below that you can listen separately to each of the students issue podcasts. So um, you can listen to the issues you're most interested in. You can, if staff and faculty are listening, it might be a great um, 
thing to share with students to encourage them to listen to their peers, talk about some of the key issues of the 2020 election cycle um, for now and into the future. So right now we'll go to the interview with those four students. I'm Scott. I am a chemistry education major, so I want to be a high school chemistry teacher. Uh, I'm from Shoreview, Minnesota, so suburb of the Twin Cities, but I'm currently there now. And my topic was education. So uh, my name is Christian. I am uh, a political science and Norwegian double major. Um, I also uh, am a sophomore. I guess what we all are, but. Um, I am originally from Pennsylvania, um, but my family lives overseas currently in South Korea. So I go back there uh, a couple of times a year for vacation. Uh, right now I'm with my grandparents in Rhode Island and my topic was international relations slash foreign policy. I'm Greta Van Loon. I'm a sophomore math and music major and I'm working on my teaching license for math. Um, I'm from Rochester, Minnesota, and that's where I am now at my parents' house. And um, my group's topic was environmental policy, and we also talked about um, agriculture. My name is Ethan. I'm a sophomore double major in chemistry and economics. I'm hoping to go to graduate school for economics, uh, and my topic was education. All right. So first and foremost, I can't have a podcast with students without just asking how you are. <laughs> um, we're all worried about students. And if you're if you're making it, if you're OK, if you're going to kill your parents or anything like that. So um, how's it going? At least for me, since I've I've been on many a road trip with my family. I, we're used to living in close quarters together for long periods of time. So we all, we have our own separate spaces, but we get together, we play games. It's so far, it's pretty well, pretty good. Okay. It's definitely a, a challenge, but um, it's kind of like a fun challenge that I think I'm learning life skills from like, without as much of a schedule, we have to really discipline ourselves and say like, okay, I'm going to do my classwork at this time, do my homework at this time. Um, and it also helps for me that kind of like everyone is going through this at the same time. And um, it's like seeing everyone else at their home, like we're all kind of stuck at home, but we're all in it together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's certainly been a good way to kind of develop a little bit more technology based Based skills. Um, for my work study, I'm a supplemental instructor, so it's kind of like a like a tutoring position, except you're like going over review material and hosting sessions and stuff. So I myself have kind of had to force myself how to how to host Zoom and, and use <laughs> all these sort of sort of things that the professors are using as well. So it's um, yeah, it's been a little bit of a challenge, but I, I feel like our college has been. I feel like St. Olaf has been really accommodating. Um, for students offering as much um, as much as they can um, for what was lost. Yeah, that's great. Well, I'm glad you guys are are okay and hanging in there and making it work. Um, and really excited that you were able to finish the 
podcast projects despite the interruptions. Um, I've listened to them. I think they're excellent. And we're really excited to share them with our listeners. And as we talked about when I visited your class, the idea is that the audience for those was really your peers, other students across the country. Um, and I think the, the um, sort of goal we talked about is even more relevant now with all of this upheaval how are we going to make sure students still vote you know take the time to learn about issues um so i wanted to know first how you guys went about picking your topics and maybe what's one thing you learned in the process that was unexpected um greta are you okay with starting us off yeah i can start um so when we met with our group the first time uh, most of our group members were a little bit quiet. So I kind of, um, took a role. I was like, all right, guys, <laughs> what are we doing? And, um, environmental policy, I think we put as our first choice because, um, you know, recently the global climate strike had happened and a lot of us students are really of the perspective right now that climate change and saving the environment is like kind of our top priority. Um, and so, and we also had a few other choices. We like, had like our second, third, fourth choices. Um, but we ended up getting, um, environmental policy. And then the challenge with that was with such a huge like topic, there's so many things wrong (laughs) that should be fixed. Like how should we focus? Um, and the way we kind of solved that was I knew this farmer, um, in Northfield. And so we kind of took the route of talking about agriculture and environmental policy. What's something unexpected you learned from that from your research or putting it together um one of the one of the main points of our podcast ended up being that like there are a lot of things that farmers can do specifically to sequester carbon and do other things like help soil runoff and everything that like the only thing stopping them from it is not having enough money to get the new equipment and I think the most surprising thing was like, oh, how come, like, I've never heard of this before and how come no one really talks about agriculture and agricultural policy and how it relates to the environment? Okay. How about um, Ethan? For you and Scott, maybe you guys can kind of talk about it together. Well, uh, so when we first got together with our group, uh, me, Ethan, and a third group member, Seneva, had all taken the same uh, intra ed class in the fall. So our first thought was we could just do education because me and Ethan are interested in teaching at some point in the future. And then Cinema is interested. We were SI leaders together actually over interim (laughs) in January. We we helped teach a chem course. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, So education was just the first thing that popped into our heads and we just kind of rolled with it and it turned out pretty well. Great. So what, what was unexpected? At least for me, um, how viable trade schools are as an option, because we focused on kind of the societal pressures surrounding college and like, you have to go to college to like be successful in life. And Ethan definitely brought in like this points of like trade schools can be viable and are very viable options uh, for very successful futures. And I was surprised by that at first. Uh, yeah, it, it was something that was kind of fun for me because I feel like it's a, it's something that I have kind of been passionate about or feel like I, I've known a lot about. 
just based off of kind of my own research and, and understanding about the situation. And I don't feel like had been talked about that much. So it was great to have the, the avenue of this project to be able to start a conversation with my own peers. Um, because there's, there's a, there's this side where like a lot, a lot of, a lot of conversation around, around education, especially college students tends to be, um, a little bit more on the left, a little bit more, um, progressive or, or liberal. Um, but there's still a difference between, between like how far we go with, um, with education, like Joe Biden, who's considered like one of the most, um, moderate candidates, um, in the democratic race actually has the most progressive agenda for education, um, ever. Like if, if what he wants get passed, that's going to be the most, the most liberal thing that we've ever seen. Um, so kind of being able to kind of split apart and see like, okay, there's, there's differences even within a single party and we can actually like have a conversation about like some of the implications, um, about an issue that like, like for us, we see as, as being one of the, like, like a, a crucial, crucial thing for, for human capital and development in our country. Wonderful. Christian, how about you? Yeah. So I, our, Topic selection as a group, I actually wasn't in class when the when the uh, groups were assigned and and uh, we got the topics. So I wasn't aware, uh, you know, a part of the actual selection process in person. But when I got an email from one of my group members saying, "Which topic would you would you like?" I of course said international uh, and foreign policy, primarily because, as I mentioned before, my my I've grown up abroad because my dad works for the State Department. Um, and, and once we got that topic, I was very happy because I, I definitely feel and have felt for a while that, you know, so much of the issues that people are concerned about in the States are, you know, understandably so kind of centered in American uh, domestic affairs. You know, you, you see the, the abortion debate, you see gun control debate, you see climate change um, and economy and healthcare and all, all these issues that people really care about. Um, and then in conversations with classmates and, and uh, other peers, I've, I just realized that people seem to think that that's only a domestic issue, if that makes sense. They were saying like, oh, you know, foreign policy doesn't really matter because, but what I would care about is this and this. And really my reaction to that was, well, that's inherently tied to foreign policy. So as we went throughout this project, um, we kind of adopted that um, that vision for the project rather than focus on one specific alliance. We focused on foreign policy in the domestic electorate. And basically what we, what we found out is, is just the extent to which these issues that people really care about are rooted in foreign policy. So to have uh, an unpredictable foreign policy can often carry very uh, serious implications for the issues that people do care about. So, so the, the central drive is, you know, in 2020, don't just focus on domestic politics, but also focus on what the foreign policy of these leaders or potential leaders um, are, because it'll definitely affect affect uh, their policies. That makes sense. Um, and what what did you take away? Anything unexpected as you went through the project? Yeah, it wasn't. Um, I wouldn't say the you know the overarching results were unexpected. It was more the extent to which each um, kind of each issue uh, interacts with each other and the extent to which foreign policy does impact domestic um, domestic policies. And I think maybe the most surprising thing was just people definitely say that they care about issues that are like climate change, which are naturally global or immigration, which are, you know, rooted in foreign policy. But nobody has said, 
nobody seemed to say, at least in the polls or in the interviews that we, that we had, that the issue wasn't foreign policy. They, they thought it was domestic. So I think the extent to which it was not realized is, is kind of the most surprising thing. Yeah. So, you know, on a good day, students necessarily don't, don't necessarily vote in extremely high numbers. How do you guys think the current upheaval might affect that? More voting? Less? What are you, just what's your take as a student? What are you hearing when you talk to your peers? I think a lot of students are currently discouraged um, based off of the, like the plan that, that the stimulus package that went out mm. um, because there, the stimulus package works in a way where if you're over the age of 18, you can't be defi- like you can't be a, a dependent on your students. But if you're a college student over a certain, like under a certain age as well, like you don't qualify for receiving your own stimulus and then there's no student loan forgiveness. We're, we're fortunate enough that the college is giving us reimbursements on our, on our room and board and meal plan, but that's not the case for, for all schools. Um, I, I would certainly don't have a case for, for public schools. Um, so I, I, I mean, I personally feel a little discouraged though as a, as a student. So even though like financially, it's not as impactful on me. It's just kind of the statement of the fact that mm-hmm. the government isn't trying. It, like it, it says to me that, wow, other people have this way worse than I do right now and that are at, at my age. And, you know, of course we're kind of in a, in an educated populace here where we're obvious, like we're obviously engaged in politics and, and participate and, and vote and all that. Um, but through our research on, on education, only about 30% of Americans actually have a bachelor's degree or equivalent or higher. So like the majority of Americans in this country don't actually finish college or don't even go to college. So it's kind of like we live within, within this bubble, I -hmm. think. And people just kind of see like the government doesn't really like they get this idea that the government doesn't care when something like this, this stimulus package kind of goes out to help everybody except for, except for us. So I, I think that's, that might take a little bit of a toll on. So yeah, that's so, so you see that as demotivating, like why, why bother voting? I, I, I think so. I think it will motivate some people who are, who are like college educated, but I don't think it's going to motivate enough of the young population that, that I mean, that we would want to see compared to like the, the rest of the, yeah. the electorate. Scott? Um, I also think just in general, we might see a downwards voting trend just because of the ongoing epidemic, uh, especially even if it like passes by like and kind of clears the U.S. at the end of by the end of July. I think people are still going to be scared, at least to a point where they don't want to go out and vote. Um, so I think students I do agree with what Ethan said that students seem to be discouraged especially uh, I know there was a huge like um, Bernie Sanders following on campus and I know they were all kind of bummed when he dropped out Um, and I saw from a bunch of my friends that they didn't want to really vote anymore after he dropped out Um, so generally probably a little less than would be uh, for student voting. I can, 
I, I think in a lot, in a lot of ways, uh, you know, you do have the, obviously the health concerns about going out and voting and being among people, you have the concerns that people aren't happy at, but I, I wonder, um, to, you know, to what extent is the administration's response to the coronavirus going to impact voting? And I don't have an answer for that, but, but I do, I could see a situation in which, um, especially when, like Ethan mentioned, the college educated, those who have, uh, you know, typically jobs that, that require higher level of education. If they look at the way the administrations responded, particularly when compared to other countries, um, I think there's definitely a case to be made that the Trump administration's response was not effective and therefore it, it reflects badly upon them, which in some cases could, uh, I, you know, I kind of foresee maybe some moderates might think, well, the economy was doing well. Uh, I was doing okay. So I, I'll, I'll vote for Trump now that the economy is not doing well and that the response of the administration may not have been up to their standards. I think that could potentially, uh, turn some people uh, the other way, which could perhaps increase voter voter participation. Yeah, it does feel like it kind of turns on that question of, you know, if, if being frustrated mm-hmm. motivates or demotivates you. Yeah. Um, and to what extent you're willing to go through the risks of going to vote to uh, express right. your participation. So, I, you know, if it really affected somebody, I think in that case, maybe, maybe participation will be, will be very high. Um, among people who were deeply affected by the crisis because it is such a personal issue, but for others, it, it may not. So, mm-hmm. and it definitely depends a lot on what methods are available for exactly. voting, right? Mm-hmm. If there are other, if there are options beyond going in public, if you're not up for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you guys hope this podcast experiment achieves? We're going to put these out there. We're going to get your messages out to students across the country. What do you want them to do with that? Think, you know, think critically about, uh, about, about their vote. Uh, I think that that was our central theme is of course we focus on international and foreign policy, but I think all of us want one kind of highlight the, the issues that are most important Mm-hmm. in this election and just kind of highlight, you know, this is what's happened. This is what's been done. I think a lot of people may go into the vote, not knowing so much about either issue. I mean, I could definitely tell you, I didn't know as much as, uh, about education policy as I did, uh, after I listened to the podcast, same thing goes with climate. Uh, you know, the, we learn something through the podcast and when we learn something, I think we can make more informed decisions. And I think that will ultimately benefit, mm-hmm. um, this election and, and society as, as, as a whole. Definitely. Greta, what do you think? Yeah, I think that um, particularly with our podcast, and this was kind of like in the instructions of the, of the project, is that they wanted us to tell a story and kind of get personal with it, with the interviews and everything, um, and tell a narrative. And um, with my particular podcast, um, my group's podcast, we kind of wanted people to hear like these people who care, particularly the, um, the farmer who we interviewed, Dave Legwold, how much he cared about, um, using environmentally friendly practices. And I think that, um, when people hear a more personal story and about how someone cares about something so much, then they tend to start believing in it too, rather than just like the facts and the statistics. Fantastic. Scott, Ethan. I think it's also just being able to have a conversation about things 
without getting too emotionally emotionally attached um, to certain to certain views. I mean, all all of us here are kind of I think used to being able to have conversations and and have debate and like we've we've been doing this in the in this this program that that we're involved in. Um, but I, I see it as less of a less of a skill that that exists um, exists today, where where people are just so focused on you know, one thing that they, they believe to be true, um, and not even willing to, to hear, hear the other side or, or just, just be challenged. Um, so I, I think I'm hoping this podcast can at least get people to kind of like consider, uh, like consider other options and stuff. Like for instance, Scott brought up the, the, the point that there's a lot of people that were discouraged by, by Bernie Sanders dropping out because Bernie Sanders is really popular amongst, amongst, uh, college students. Um, but at the same time, like there's, there's still really progressive things that we can get from, um, from something like free trade school that was, that was brought up in, in our podcast, um, which is something that more moderate Democrats like Amy Klobuchar and Joe Biden are kind of pushing for. So there, there's still a lot of good that can, that can come out, even if a person doesn't get exactly what they want. And I think that being able to see that comes from being able to have a conversation and hear um, kind of like what Greta was bringing up, like bringing up like how people, how other people um, feel about about certain issues, and being able to just respect that. You don't have to agree with everything, but just being willing to listen. Thanks. Um, along with that, uh, just broadly, and I think this is true through everyone's podcast of just like Christian said, uh, consider your vote and consider all the topics that you care about when casting your vote and above all else, just go vote because there are these many important issues and your vote helps each and every one go towards what you think is best. And you're voicing your opinion to the government. Um, So above all else, above all else, go vote. That's a great, great note to end on. Uh, I completely agree. And I hope that the work you all did to help students learn about specific issues, um, helps us move, continue to move in that direction. Every election is extremely important. This one seems even more so with everything going on in our world. And so I appreciate what you guys, um, the work you did and sharing it with us and our network and just hope you um, continue to hang in there for the rest of the semester um, or as long as we have for this sort of disrupted uh, world that we're in. All right. Well, thanks again to um, professors Eric Fierce-Locum and Colin Wells at St. Olaf and also Alyssa Melby there, the community engagement professional who, helped, of course, helped arrange everything. And thanks to the students for their hard work on those podcasts. And um, we hope they're useful to everyone. And now we're going to do our segment that feels more important than ever. What's sparking joy for you guys? I'll go first. We have our summit of presidents and chancellors, and one of the sessions as part of the summit will be a conversation with two of our Newman Civic Fellows. So 
Compact Nation podcast listeners met uh, Zainab Abdi and Cameron Connor uh, maybe at the end of the fall when we had an episode where I spoke with them. Uh, Zainab is a student at St. Kate's in uh, St. Paul, Minnesota, and Cameron is a student at Whitman College in Walla Walla, Washington. And so to get ready for that, we had a conversation with them the other day uh, and it was a chance to kind of check in, hear how they're doing and what they've been up to uh, since the kind of COVID crisis began in the U.S. And you know, it was just uh, extraordinary to hear because from the first moments that they got news that their colleges were closing, uh, both of them in different ways, um, just like immediately. Uh, the, the questions they asked were about the well-being of their fellow students, about who was going to be in situations where they couldn't afford to go home, who might not have uh, you know, access to food with dining halls closing, who might have questions about uh, access to housing. And they started working with other students to address those issues. And they've just continued doing things both to serve other students in their student community, as well as members of the local community. And in both of their cases, they have connections to global efforts in general to improve life in various places. And they've been very focused on how they can continue to support people they're connected to abroad as well. And uh, we've also heard from other Newman Civic Fellows, including students sharing with us very serious challenges they are facing personally. They've lost jobs. They've lost income. Uh, again, the supports that their institutions might have provided are gone. Um, and so both the, the desire of so many of our Newman Civic Fellows to be connecting with serving others, as well as the, the willingness of many of them to speak up in clear terms about the kinds of challenges they and their peers are facing. Uh, have just blown me away. And uh, yeah, so I've just been very, very impressed by that. Pleased to be connected to these students and uh, appreciative of their willingness to bring their voice and their capacity forward uh, in the service of other people, even as their own lives are being uh, very disrupted in many cases. So that has been sparking joy for me. Thanks. How about you, Marcel? Well, I, between the last episode and this one, I successfully defended my dissertation. So now I am Dr. Marisol Morales. So that's sparking a lot of joy, uh, being done-ish, a few revisions and some paperwork. But yes, I'm excited about that. That's um, awesome. Congrats. Yes. Thank you. And I think the other thing that's sparking joy are some of the conversations that I'm seeing online and other spaces about um, what we create um, after all this is over. So um, thinking about what a new normal would look like that's more uh, focused on uh, equity, justice, and uh, doing well by each other. Yeah, I'll give to you. Um, we had one of our Friday virtual discussions last week. Marisol helped with mm -hmm. that as well. That was great. We had people brainstorm around the Minnesota Campus Compact social change wheel that we created many years ago to help people think about the different um, elements of social change around what that could look like now and even going into the fall um, with, you know, restrictions in place and, and different burdens on community partners. And it was a really wonderful generative conversation. Lots of ideas for what students and higher education can contribute going forward as we 
um, continue to respond and recover. So we, uh, w- we are working on a social change wheel, um, uh, kind of 2.0 for the COVID moment to share some of those ideas. So look for that soon. Um, the other thing is we think about how kids are responding to this. My kids yesterday had a social distance lemonade stand, which was their idea and plan. And they, um, set it all up so that no, uh, personal interactions would need to occur and they could sit back and they had a kind of kind of a lot of customers and it was it was pretty fun and it was interesting again to just get a window into what they're how much they're really understanding this moment and and taking it seriously too more maybe more seriously than a lot of adults but it's where we are all right thanks everybody Thanks for listening. As always, uh, if you would go ahead and subscribe and tell your friends and give us five stars and uh, give us your feedback and all that stuff, that's always helpful to us. Um, You can also send us your ideas at uh, podcast at compact.org or using the hashtag compactnationpod. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Compact Nation podcast comes to you from Campus Compact's national headquarters in the Leather District of Boston, Massachusetts. Our hosts are Marisol Morales, Emily Shields, and me, Andrew Seligson. Our producer is Molly Altiorem Leeper. Music is by Andrew Savage. You can find more of his music at andrewsavage.net. As always, you can find us online at compact.org slash podcast or on social media at hashtag compact nation pod. Thanks for listening. I am the podcat. <laughs>